0: This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read,
1: widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today.
0: This is a Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle,
2: joined once again by my co host, Brian Solomon. How's it going? Going really well, Alan. I have to apologize that my voice is a little rough this week. I've been in the studio recording right. at the, big the audiobook for Blood and Fire, and my voice is like hanging on by a thread, so I'll do my best. That's- That's uh, humble bragging, I think what they. uh, they Yeah, (laughs) I'm good at that. I'm really good at it. I'm an old pro. The the recording superstar. Yeah, you know, I've been in the studio. You know how it is. Reg, you know, like, Reg, you know what I'm talking about. Big time
3: stars. No, I get it, Brian. I got it. I understand.
0: (laughs) Yes. And that other voice is Righteous Reg back on the show uh, with us. Uh, Glad to have you back. Reg, how you doing?
3: Hey, thanks, Al. Thanks for having me. This is great. You know, PWI, that's our squad. We just dropped a new magazine. We're so excited. Everybody's out there going to the stores and getting it. It's great. Happy to be here.
0: I love this. I'll just let you do the plugs. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, obviously, a lot to talk about. Um, one of the reasons we want to have uh, Reg on was that he was at AEW Revolution. I know we're, we're a little late and talk about it, but uh, we won't do a, a review as much as talking some fallout and get uh, Reg's thoughts from from being there in person. Uh, also, uh, later on, we're going to hear an interview uh, with, I think, a friend of yours, right, Reg?
3: Yes, a very, very, very big friend of mine. He's great. He's the best. Yes, literally. I'm talking about uh, <laughs> Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh,
0: yes, Powerha- Powerhouse Hobbs from AEW, who's a big part of uh, Revolution. I had a chance to chat with him a couple weeks ago for an upcoming feature, and uh, we're going to have uh, the audio here, and, and we talk about uh, how his career is going uh, in, in AEW. Uh, a bit about you know the, the opportunity of-, of working with CM Punk, one of the big superstars, uh, in the business upon uh, his return and uh, a lot more. So uh, just generally talking about kind of Team Taz and and uh, what he's learned from Taz and, and what he and all the other members of Team Taz uh, have in common. So uh, yeah, a fun chat, uh, check it out. Uh, a lot less fun that we're going to be talking about. Obviously the big news of the week, the passing mm-hmm. of the bad guy, Scott Hall, uh, way, way too young. And uh, I mean, uh, we'll get into it a bit, but just in terms of, Uh, mainstream appeal. It's sometimes surprising, like it's kind of a reality check, I think, for wrestling fans on on what is a big deal and sometimes what is not in terms of uh, mainstream appeal. But I saw uh, before uh, the unfortunate news of his passing, NBC writing about uh, Scott Hall being uh, on life support. So uh, a very, very big deal and obviously even a bigger deal to uh, people like us, wrestling fans who have uh, followed his career. So we'll talk about that uh in a moment but before that uh let's talk about the latest issue of pro wrestling illustrated uh and i'll just throw it to <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Wow>. <laughs> yes look we have a fantastic new issue out okada is on the cover i myself did probably legit my favorite article that i've written so far it's a piece on ach it focuses a lot on like mental health and pro wrestling and just kind of taken away, getting away from all the grind and all the craziness that's going on. This magazine is so many amazing things. What did you guys do in this uh, month's issue?
0: Yeah, this is uh, the May uh, 2022 issue. As you mentioned, Okada's on the cover. It's got kind of a, uh, an international uh, wrestling theme, uh, a trip around the world uh, of wrestling. And I have a couple fun things uh, in here. One was uh, an interview with the current uh, Ring of Honor women's champion, uh, who I think most fans know from, from Impact, mm-hmm. uh, Deanna Perazzo, in the hot seat. We had the audio here. Um, I think the last uh, episode of the podcast. And a really, really fun thing that I did, uh, fun and challenging, was uh, an interview for a feature that we have with El Hijo del Vikingo, who is the the AAA uh, Mega Champion. And He's insane. I, yeah, yeah. And it was—I don't know—it's if the first in—it's certainly the first in, in my history of uh, uh, conducting an interview in Spanish for uh, the magazine. So that was uh, a lot of fun, a lot of That's insight. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of it's to a guy that we, we we don't know that much about, and and yeah, you're absolutely You know, one of the things that I was most interested in asking him um, is essentially how do you come up with these moves? I mean, like when somebody's training to become a wrestler. You've got something to work off, right? I mean, there's some precedent of like you you watch a move executed, and then you learn how to do it. But how about the stuff that nobody's ever done before? Right, and <laughs> and so much of that is his arsenal. And and he talked about kind of the process of envisioning these moves, and then you know getting in the ring and kind of. Ah, uh, figuring out if if it's possible, and then kind of ironing up the kinks. So um, that was a lot of fun. How about you, Brian? You're Mr. Columnist. Uh, what do you have? Or what are you up to? Like, I know columns now. Uh,
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> two. It's two. Thank you very much. But but you know, <laughs> actually, before I even say that, I was thinking, and I mentioned this to Kevin, and maybe there's something I'm not thinking of. But I mean, you you guys might know, but I think this might be the first time that there's ever been um, an, an American wrestling magazine that had. As its main person on the cover, somebody who's from outside the world of American wrestling, like as mm-hmm. the main featured cover person, I, meaning Kazuchika Okada, like the, I the one. Think of the one but, I can
0: think of is when Okada was number one in the five hundred. Uh, okay. A few years there back. Yeah, same I think I was same person,
2: though. Yeah. That's amazing. Right. Same person. So I have the, the lockup, which is um, I keep calling it the lockdown. I don't know why I keep doing that in my head. <laughs> because that's the, our lives. Right. Because <laughs> that was my life for two years. TNA, right. PTSD. <laughs> the the, <laughs> the lockup, which is about um, wrestling managers and how like. There's been kind of an uptick in wrestling managers recently in wrestling, but right. how I'm I'm saying like we need more of them, like it's a step in the right direction. There should be more managers, not even just for the wrestlers who need them, but because there's talent out there that that's really their strong suit. There's people that may not even get involved with the business if they don't think that there's a place for them in it. And that could be a place for them. And um, in the way it was, of course, I champion. My favorite era, which is early 90s WCW, because somebody has to. Yes. So I, I look back <laughs> at basically it's like from when Flair left for the WWF to when Hulk Hogan showed up and ruined everything. Mm. That little that little window is like such a beautiful underrated period. And I, I give it its due.
0: I, I so agree with you and and it's interesting that you bring up the Hogan thing because I think subconsciously that's been the case for me too. You know, when when um, you're digging around on YouTube or old VHS tapes or uh, the WWE network, there there are things that attract you from a nostalgia point, uh, point of view and, and things that don't. And I think, uh, you know, subconsciously that is kind of like the cutoff line where like, "Eh, I'm not really interested in this point. And it was, you know, Ron Simmons is the world champion, Vader mowing down people, Rick rude, uh, Ricky steamboat, um, there was so much great stuff uh, yeah. uh back there. Yeah. And as much as like the the Bill Watts experiment is is kind of like universally looked at as a bust, and there was a lot bad about it. There's a lot of good that came out of that too. Remember the NWA tag yeah. team tournament and all that stuff. There was a uh, It's
2: a bust from a thing. business point of view, right? Yeah. I mean, like right. nobody could argue that. And I'm just saying, you know, from a creative point of view, I understand that they made a lot more money later on, but that's just, you know, the I, I will always love that that early 90s era. You had the dangerous mm-hmm. alliance. And even when Flair came back, because it was nothing against Flair, it just coincided with when he left. But when he came back and he had that big comeback with Vader and, right. and all that sort of thing, it was Flair for the
0: Gold great. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. great.
2: And then like when Hogan, you know, they started trying to really just turn it into the WWE. It was which, bad, yeah. When Hockey Talk Man right, shows up. So right, I was about
0: to say. And, it wasn't just Hogan. It was Hogan right, and all the his whole cronies, crew, yeah.
3: N- nasty boys, all of it. Yeah, them. Hacksaw That's Jim Crow. funny, Dolly, yeah, stuff, yeah. they had a, that, around that time, yeah. uh, Saturday night, uh, you know, the Saturday night show, WCW Saturday night, they had a lot of great two out of three falls matches. This was when some of the best wrestling that happened in WCW happened around this time, and I agree, uh when Hogan came in, things got bad. And it's funny enough, the person we're going to talk talk about here today is when we all got back into it. You know, when kind Star of righted the ship. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. yeah, yeah. A really good point. Uh, so, so real quick, uh, pwi-online.com. Uh Don't miss this magazine. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, we we just got through all, all the the five hundreds and and hundred and fifties and fifties and the the year end awards, and we're kind of back to just kind of. Um, having some fun with with all the pages of the magazine, trying out different things, different features. Right. Um, you don't want to miss it. Um, uh, as I understand it, I guess there might be some delay uh, with uh, getting it out to subscribers, the print edition. So bear with us. I'm sure you'll have it soon. Uh, if you go the uh, digital route, you could download it right away at pwi-online.com. Uh, subscribe either way, and and you'll save a half off the cover price uh and yeah please uh support what we do uh let's jump into talking about uh scott hall another guy who was uh you know you 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 talk about him uh a reg being instrumental in the turnaround he was also around in those early days of uh uh, early 90s uh, wcw the diamond stud and that's the the first we kind of saw some glimpses of of what we would come to know was scott hall uh obviously he was uh, had a, a decent run in uh, AWA in the mid-80s, Kurt Hennig. Uh, but just awful, awful tragic news. I mean, these all, always uh, hit us hard, especially hard when someone is younger and it's and it's um, very unexpected. And granted, here's a guy who uh, we know had all kinds of health issues for so much of his career and, and so much of his life. But uh, thankfully, I mean, I think most of the news in the last few years was good i mean a guy who was clearly trying to uh, turn things around and had some success and uh, by and large when we would see scott hall in recent years he appeared lucid and upbeat and optimistic um and you 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 know you hear this news about him uh breaking his hip and you know the last thing you think is that that that's going to be kind of the beginning of the end so just a horrible uh tragic story of a guy who, in a lot of ways, was a, a tragic figure uh, uh, in wrestling. Um,
2: uh, Brian, w- what is uh, Scott Hall's legacy in pro wrestling? Wow, that's a big question. And mm-hmm. and I think, you know, he's, he's on that list. You know, people like to talk about the greatest wrestlers who were never world champion, right? And I know, like, high on that list is Roddy Piper. He's the one that gets talked about. I'd put Scott Hall right there. I mean, he was somebody who, as great as he was, he could have been even greater. He had the potential, you know, he was part of that click that we all talk about. And I was even writing about this online about how, you know, my Rat Pack analogy, like if, if Shawn Michaels is the Sinatra, right? He's the leader. He's the one with all the talent that everybody talks about. Scott Hall is the Dean Martin, you know, Scott Hall is somebody who low key is just as good, if not better, but he maybe just doesn't take it as seriously and he's enjoying himself and enjoying the moment but the talent is incredible and you see glimpses of it here and there. You know when he first started the rap on him like you mentioned the AWA with Scott Hall with uh, Kurt Hennig was like he was so green and he was stiff and he wasn't good and he just looked really good and that's why he got his push and boy did he completely dispel that reputation. I mean he came into his own He's one of the, to me, he's one of the most underrated performers, definitely of the 90s, because people forget, because he wasn't, you know, WWF champion or even WCW champion, people forget, especially in that new generation era, it was like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Diesel, Razor Ramon. Like that uh-huh. was the core, uh-huh. that was like the heart of the new generation. And, you know, sure, he was the only one of those five guys I mentioned who never was. The top guy. And, and, and that's the rap on him. But but when you watch him and you see him in the ring, you just see these glimpses of greatness. And like he, he did all that. He does that in the WWF. And then you think, okay, well that's enough to be remembered. And then he has this whole other chapter where he kicks off, not just kicks off the NWO era in WCW. You could make an argument like the, the attitude era isn't just WWE. Like that's the beginning of the attitude era. Like yeah. the whole NWA thing. And he's like catalyst for that so i mean that's definitely how he should be remembered just like this really important name who is more than just oh the guy that was never world champion just the pure raw talent that he could have done anything he wanted really
0: yeah i mean when whenever the conversation comes up of of who are the greatest wrestlers never to have won uh, a world title. He's got to, you know, Roddy Piper comes up a lot in in, in terms of impactful, influential wrestlers, uh, but Scott Hall has got to be right uh, at the top uh, of that list. Uh, uh, Reg, what are some memories maybe, maybe, um, you know, whether, well, I I will put words in your mouth. When you think Scott Hall, what are some key memories that come up?
3: Yeah, it's funny that uh, Brian's talking about his column in his magazine focusing on WCW, because that's my prime time for the WWF. And Scott Hall played a huge role in those early 90s uh, times. Just like Brian was saying, there was kind of like the new generation, like if you make a Mount Rushmore of the new generation, Scott Hall's head is on there. When I think of my childhood and my favorite wrestling games and my favorite wrestling merch and all my favorite when all their friends get together and somebody's everybody picks a wrestler razor ramon's always a guy top guy best uh on the video games he's just like a prominent figure when you think about those times and so he played such an important role i think in the legacy of not just the wwf but wcw uh having hip hop theme songs, having all kinds of different things. Uh, The times with X-Pac or the one, two, three kid, you know, early nineties, he made one, two, three kid uh, infamous moment that we've seen so many times. Mm -hmm. That's like the beginning of raw, the beginning of me becoming a huge wrestling fan. Like that's stuck in my head. And so he went on to do the NWO and the NWO at the time. It's hard to really put together, put the words out how huge wrestling was at the time I was in junior high. So like my entire school, you were either NWO or DX. That was like the thing. So like every day I go to school, something about Scott Hall is being said or seen. So he played such a huge prominent role in my childhood that it's crazy that he's not around anymore. It's crazy that he, you know, he, he seemed like one of those that would kind of be like those mentor coaching positions for life, just because, what he did for the business was huge beyond just being a great wrestler.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was sort of uh, the Forrest Gump of pro wrestling in, in some ways that right. when you think about like these historic times, there he is, right? Like you talked on the, the early days of Monday night, raw, the, the, those that kind of laid the foundation for uh, the show that would be institution there, Scott Hall uh, putting over, One to three kid, you know, that's really how you put somebody over. Like you said, create the career of of Sean Waltman there. And then um, uh, the the, the new generation stuff, the ladder match at WrestleMania 10, Mm -hmm. Square Garden, and one of the most important matches uh, uh, of our time. Uh, the the creation of the NWO. I, I um, again these days I don't show my kids much in wrestling because they just lost interest. But uh, I, I gave my son, my older son, yesterday kind of a history lesson. I made him watch Scott Hall coming into the the ring. I think it was Memorial Day, uh, nineteen ninety six. Do you remember what the match was uh, in in the ring? Brian or Reggie?
3: I think it oh, was man. Mike Enos was in there yes. against
0: the Mauler, Mike Enos, and. Steve Dahl. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like as, as forgettable a, a, a match um, as, as you could think of and you watch it now without the context. And it's like a guy with like tight jeans tucked into his, his uh,
3: boots his <laughs> Canadian and, uh, tuxedo. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> walked into the ring and cut this promo, a big deal. But, but I mean, I, I can't like stress enough to, to my kid, like how revolutionary this moment was. I mean, it was like absolute jaw dropping stuff. And we All know right. what the NWO uh, went on to become. And um, I don't know that it works w- without Scott Hall. I mean, you know, Hulk Hogan, obviously, biggest star uh, maybe in the history of the wrestling business, uh, really kind of took it over the top. Uh, Big Daddy Cool was was the the headliner in, in WWF. He was their top guy, the former world champion, and he had kind of the cool factor. Uh, Scott Hall, in some way, kind of like, the Arn Anderson role, you know, um, but, but also had a, a credibility, a charisma, a cool factor that the other guys didn't have uh, and was the workhorse uh, of those three. I think sometimes that's forgotten. And there were times where Scott Hall wasn't as motivated as, as other times. And, and there's all kinds of reasons behind that. Uh, But, you know, look back at, at Scott Hall and Bret Hart and some of the matches, uh, they had Royal Rumble '93 Rumble, King yeah. of the Ring. Um, I mean, Scott Hall could go and and a, right. and a huge guy. I mean, what was he, 6'6? Legit, you know, if 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 you were carving out a wrestler, you know, th- this would be the guy. I mean, great looking guy, 6'6, great body, charisma, cool factor, um, you know. But sadly, again, that tragic part, here's the guy who who really came into the wrestling business with with a lot of demons. I think we found this out some years ago. Was it was it like an ESPN documentary or something where he talked about all this? And uh, basically was I think it was before he was in, in wrestling and he was bouncing or something. He got in some kind of like street fight with with someone uh, outside a bar and a, a gun got involved. I don't think he brought the gun. Right. I think the other. No, guy, I think no, no, was, a, it was a, was it a knife.
3: I think he might've been playing self-defense with the gun. Like the guy had a gun and he like took it away from him and ended up using him, or some, something along those lines. He didn't have the weapon, but he used the weapon.
0: Yeah. Was it a gun or was there a knife? I forget. I I think it was a gun.
3: Yeah. I think it might've been a gun.
0: Yeah. I I, I don't mean to get that wrong, but whatever. He used a weapon and he killed the man. I mean, he, he, uh, and clearly it messed him up, you know, it messed him up. And this was, so when, when you talk about somebody who was really haunted and the cliche of the demons uh, this was living with him for for all these years, and I, and I think because of that, there was always. Uh, and it and this is you know his words. You know, it, it's not me playing therapist. He talked about always having kind of a self loathing and and um, obviously a lot of guilt. And you know the the flip side of of how amazing he was in the ring and on the mic was he was also legendary for what he. His his substance abuse prob- problem, right? I mean, and I think he was upfront about it. I mean, he was one of these guys, along with Jake the Snake and a few others, who uh for many years we worried about, you know, this moment coming under different circumstances right. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because how how much right. uh he was partying, H- How how big a part for better or for worse
2: is is that of, of his story, Brian? Well, I think I think it is a part of it, but I think he managed to beat it. And, and survive it in such a way that it kind of receded into the past now. And you're talking about years ago to the point where I was actually very encouraged to, to see that so much of the coverage and the majority of the coverage was very positive. And right. it didn't dwell on that. I was expecting like, oh, okay. the, all they're going to talk about is struggles with drugs and all this kind of thing. And, and this caught up with him, this lifestyle. That really was not the tenor of most of what I saw, at least, and nor should it have been. Because to me, again, to bring it back to Piper, I saw them in the same light in that, you know, Piper always used to say that he was living on borrowed time and he couldn't believe he lived as long as he had lived. And I think Hall was kind of in that category too, where it was like when, you know, it's amazing that he got these 20 years. Like that was a gift that he got. He got to experience this and preserve his legacy and be recognized and be remembered and hall of fame and all that kind of thing. He got to actually experience it. I remember when I worked at WWE, it was when the NWO came over, you know, and they were trying to recreate it and Hall and Nash finally came in. That was not a good time for him. I remember that not at all. And he was like, you know, that whole like locker room poison thing. It was like very real, you know, and he mm-hmm. didn't last there because of that with everything with the plane ride from hell and all that kind of thing. But but just spending time around him, you could see like people have said there was a very good person, a decent person buried under the weight of all this stuff and and the, the ways that he coped with it. And even then, he just there was this feeling you don't even want to say it of like, this guy is not going to be around for very long. And we right. were thinking that in 2002,
3: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. same
2: thing, same thing people think with the, thinking about Jake the snake, you know? Right. And, and I think it was a gift. It was amazing what happened with DDP and yep. how he was able to have a new lease, you know, uh, on life. I went to one of the screenings for the Jake, the snake documentary. They were there. They did a Q and a, I'm sitting there watching the thing, not realizing through the entire movie, Scott Hall is sitting directly behind me. <laughs> I didn't realize until the screening was over and this gigantic shadow like comes across me and he was standing right there and he was having the time of his life. And it was beautiful to see him enjoying life like that. So, I mean, you know, that's the way I look at it.
0: Yeah, I mean, DDP, uh, you know, I know not everybody's a fan and, and I get it. He's got one of these personalities that uh is a bit much but the guy uh you know should be eligible for sainthood for for what he did with scott hall with jake the snake and, and so many others i mean really uh save their lives open more than open his home to them um really you know turn things around for them so i think that's that ddp's legacy in wrestling uh, as much as anything uh but yeah i mean uh, such a shame i think another part of scott hall that, uh, is important towards his legacy is, is, uh, a little controversial in that. I, I think because he was this way, he, uh, might've rubbed some people the wrong way. And, uh, that was that he was a guy who very much looked out for himself. Right. And, uh, in, in terms of business, in terms of that doesn't work for me, brother kind of mm-hmm. thing. Right. Uh, uh, that was Scott Hall. And again, you know. When, when you, one of the the big ways that wrestling changed during that era, that that uh, Monday Night Wars era, and Scott Hall had everything to do with this, was the use of agents, right? To right. Um, negotiate contracts which was something that that didn't happen a lot and it was scott hall and some others and uh kevin They both used the super agent barry bloom and i know there are a lot of old school wrestling people who hated it thought that was like uh uh, one of the worst things that could have happened to wrestling at the time but because of that scott hall got paid scott hall got paid and kevin ash got paid and that opened up the doors to a lot of other wrestlers uh getting paid and you know brian and i would sometimes talk about this how and and I don't want to use uh, uh you know the, the the term kind of too derisively, but but it is what it is. Th- there's a generation of, of wrestlers, uh, not all of them, but many of them, who were marks, right? That they're, right. they're they're marks for the wrestling business. And I'll I'll do it for free if if you know if I could just be in the ring, if I could just be part of this business. Uh, uh, I love that. Was not Scott Hall. Scott Hall was a businessman, and he looked out for himself and uh, his friends. And um, again, I think sometimes that, you know, maybe sometimes it was selfish uh, and sometimes it got in the way of maybe what was best for the company. Uh, but I think there was also a lot to be learned uh, about treating it like a business and about looking out for number one. I mean, and, and I think this is relevant in, in all kinds of places you see, you know, for years UFC has, has dealt with uh, the issue of, of fighter pay and, and for, all the, the tens or hundreds of millions uh, that are coming in, the reality is that that their fighters are getting just a pittance of it. And some people think it, it's even worse in, in pro wrestling uh, when, when you see the kind of money that WWE has been making the last couple of years and how much is, is going out. Scott Hall was one of the guys at the forefront of changing that um, just in terms of and, and that and that's what brought about him leaving wwf to go to wcw was that he he thought he was worth something and um he was willing to stand up for it and make sure that he got paid what he he felt he was worth uh, uh do you agree with me red is that a big part of his legacy
3: yeah definitely the what him and kevin ash like to call sting money is what they mm-hmm. went over there and got in wcw i think what the you know the example that he set is the example that a lot of wrestlers should follow you know like i think the biggest example we have now is brock lesnar he always treated it like this was was a business this was like i'm what am i here to do give me my money and i'll do it and i'm out of here it's not about like winning championships being this being that no give me my money i'm gonna hit my mark and i'm out of here and scott hall and kevin ash they were the beginnings of this they changed the whole game they changed everything they they you know they changed that wwe wwf was the the promised land for for most and like in order to get big money you had to go there they changed that whole thing changed the business of pro wrestling and that's definitely a huge legacy of his because it followed him through uh, along with his career and kind of a little bit ba- a little bit about what you guys were talking about earlier scott hall had so many i think which you take away from him being such a great person is that he got so many chances there was never a chance where people were just like we are done with you Scott Hall it was like anytime he kind of showed a little bit of of courage and showed that he wanted to get better everyone around him was always encouraging and always just happy for him to to kind of make it and so it shows that you see you know with this death how everyone is so uh, appreciative of what they got from him and just so sad about you know what happened to him like just the legacy that he left not only on all of us wrestling fans but so many of his colleagues so many wrestlers that he worked with coming up and so many people that he influenced there's a lot of independent wrestlers that I follow now that say oh Scott Hall talked to me at this time he gave me this little bit of advice he did this thing he just his influence is so huge it's it's quite amazing to see and that that you know being a professional and wanting to get the money is a big reason why definitely
0: yeah i i I think you know that he was such a flawed person flawed person is one of the things that was sort of endearing because he was he was real right he lived in a guy yeah kind of warts and all and um i i I think it's why uh, people did pull for him for so long because you saw that this was a real like damaged guy who had a heart and, um, you know, so much of the stories of, of things that he said over the years, he just came off as kind of a jerk. But 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 also you kind of see uh, uh, beyond it. And, and you and you realize in some cases he was sort of like instilling wisdom, you right. know, uh, but but it was, you know, no filter. What's the one thing that I forget what the context was, but somebody repeated like, you know, asking some sort backstage uh, uh, what's your finish?
2: Uh, I look forward to kicking out of it or something like right. that. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, I love your finish, kid. I can't wait to kick out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. such a jerk thing to do, right? But also <laughs> hilarious, and yeah, and right. also
0: again, there there's something kind of something to be learned from that, right? I mean, can you talk about Brian about sort of the wisdom of of Scott Hall?
2: Yeah, because you know I always uh, believe that there's a balance to be found, and and he found it because. When we say these things, like, okay, they were looking out for themselves and their interests and people like Scott Hall, and but they were also really good at what they did. Right. And and they did care about it, but they never lost sight that it's a business. You know, you're not just doing it for fun or to impress your friends, or you know, they certainly didn't look at it like, say, as a performance art or something like that. They looked at it, this is my business. Now I'm good at it and I, I have a passion for it. I like what I do, but. I'm doing this to get paid. And and they were able to find that balance. And I also think in a way, even though, like you said, they, they had these agents and things that people didn't really have in the business. I think in a certain way, Scott Hall's, it was kind of a blend because Scott Hall's wisdom, like you call it, and his attitude that he brought to the business in a way was also very old school because it was the attitude that, he probably saw among a lot of the real old timers when he was breaking in, in the eighties who certainly were not marks for the business quite the opposite. They were, they were like straight up carnies, you know what I mean? And so he got, he absorbed a lot of that of like, well, let's not get too caught up and become marks because he knew that this is a business that takes advantage of people. That's why I always will take the side of people that look out for themselves. Like, like when, When CM Punk did what he did, I defended him from the beginning when he walked out and everybody was like, oh, you know, because that's the narrative WWE wants you to believe. Oh, he took his ball and went home and blah, blah, blah. No, he stood up for himself in the way that everybody should be standing up for themselves. Right. You know, he doesn't want to let people roll over him. And that's a good thing. That's actually a good thing. They want you to believe that it's a bad thing and that they should sacrifice their bodies until they can't walk anymore, you know, for pennies. And this is something to be admired, right? Because it serves their end. And Scott Hall was one of these really smart people who understood, you know, the real way to handle yourself in this business. And I know people will throw it in my face and say, well, yeah, well, look how it turned out for them, right? But I think those things are not related at all there is right. no cause and effect there no. you know because yeah. look the, the person who's also doing that you mentioned his name brock lesnar you know i who who does that and he's also very good at he knows how to work he knows what he's doing a guy like razor ramon in my mind without his demons and things could have very easily been at that level yeah. very easily agree he, ha- he had all the talent to do it and the smarts to do it
0: yeah i mean you're talking about how it worked out for him i mean right Separating the two things, his substance problems and uh, maybe some some psychological issues going back to, uh, again, the, the this tragedy when, when he was younger, separate that from his career. Uh, he was incredibly successful. I mean, right. uh, uh, you know, like you said, uh, a top guy in WWF uh, in the 90s goes over in WCW, one of the highest paid guys there, part of one of the biggest angles. Uh, of all time they showed like
3: five billion nwo shirts yeah yeah
0: yeah and and really stayed relevant right up until his retirement i mean uh when when tna launched uh back in 2002 he was one of the guys who they in those early weeks tried to build on uh the 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 the, you know you could call it a failure the nwo in uh wwf because uh, it was mishandled but that was a huge angle at the time i mean wrestling steve austin in front of sixty thousand people uh at wrestlemania 18 and, and skydome um i mean this there's no other way to look at it but this guy's career was a huge huge success Uh He's Reg-
2: all- i'm sorry god no I, i'm sorry just real quick i wanted to say that's also a very good match it, it gets overlooked because right. Everybody knows how pissed Austin was, and he didn't yeah. want to have that match, and he thought he should have been higher on the card, and then he walked out of the company. Yeah. People, people overlook it. It's actually a damn good match. And I think I put Scott Hall on there. I mean, I think he might have sold the Stone Cold standard yes. better than <laughs> anyone. I would say, like yeah. him and Rock were like mm-hmm. the two best, the guys for selling that move. I mean, it was beautiful. Yeah, absolutely.
0: What, what, I'll ask both of you guys, Reg, what was your favorite Scott Hall? I mean, whether you're talking uh, a heel Razor Ramon in in the early '90s, teaming with Ric Flair, um, babyface Razor Ramon, which which was around for a, a number of years, Intercontinental Champion, NWO Razor Ramon. Is it you know? Uh, was it Starship Coyote <laughs> Razor Ramon uh, uh, back in the, the 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 AWA days? Which is which is the one that that you'll remember most fondly?
3: Probably that 96, 97 NWO in their prime, Razor Ramon, just because he seemed so confident and comfortable and happy, probably because, like we we're talking about, he's getting paid a lot of money. And so yeah. he just seemed locked in. Him and Nash were having great tag matches all the time. That was just like, prime scott hall like everything is hidden everything is going well he's getting paid his angle is the hottest in all of pro wrestling closing out every show 96 97 hall is the one for me
2: yeah how about you brian i think i have to go with the with the ladder match the Shawn michaels you know when he had first turned when ramon first turned baby face and that mm-hmm. whole thing i was at wrestlemania 10 and you know how they talk about how a lot of times the reactions and things, it doesn't do it justice when you're watching it on TV. And like people talk about the pop when he won that ladder match and he climbed the ladder and he held the two belts Mm -hmm. up in the air. I mean, it was absolutely deafening. And I mean, no one had seen a ladder match like this before. That was a Mm -hmm. big part of it. You look at it now and you're like, well, there's only one ladder, like (laughs) what what kind of ladder matches it, but you have to remember (laughs) the context, right? I mean, this was it. And in, in the moment, It was on every spot was like mind-blowing in 1994. And he deserves half the credit for that. You know, I feel like people talk more about Shawn Michaels in that match. Even he deserves half credit for that match. Goes without saying.
0: Yeah, I was there, too. And I I was a a huge Lex Luger market at the time. I was totally on board with Lex Express. And I don't know if it was right before that match or a couple matches before that but remember this was Luger's chance to to win the world title he takes mm-hmm. on and I thought I thought it was like money in the bank he's taking it home and then uh nope. special referee miss <laughs> perfect screws him out and I was genuinely bummed I mean when I think of you know look back on times to wrestling that I was like really sad that was one of them. And, uh, that turned it around for me. I remember, you know, watching Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon and it was like, unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And, uh, yeah, it cheered me up. Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I, I probably go back to that Razor Ramon era too. And he was a really effective heel. And again, I think about that match with Bret Hart in a uh, uh, Royal rumble 93, which was really good. Uh, but as good as he was as uh, a heel, Razor Ramon, I thought he was, um, even better as a, a babyface and, uh you know there, there's a clip that's been floating around of him on the Jerry Springer shows Have you you guys see yes. this very Yeah, very with nice. these little yeah. kids and um yeah that feels like a genuine scott hall right i mean it's right. like uh that that it feels like a glimpse at uh of the real guy and the, the only interaction i had with him a few years back he was promoting a show uh, him and ash were making an appearance at some mini show on long island and i got to interview him uh and You know, I was because of his reputation. I was expecting kind of the big star who's just doing this because he's required to promote the show and give me five minutes and sort of blow me off. And uh, couldn't be further from the truth. You know what it was. He he was so engaged and uh, real and answered everything. And you know, would ask a question and he'd take a a time to really think about it and and offer some insight. And uh, I, I don't remember everything we talked about. I remember talking about his son, and um, he seemed like that was his top priority was really kind of getting his his kid set up and up and running, uh, get his career up and running in wrestling, and and just general. You know, when this was a little indie show somewhere on Long Island, and I remember him talking about how one of the things he looked forward to the most was. Um, watching young wrestlers and critiquing them and he said that you know him and, and ash would they relish the opportunity to to grab somebody after a show and tell them you did this right you did this wrong and that kind of, and i'm sure they they didn't say it that way and then some of it could be uh off-putting you know the, the way he is but but i do think he was a guy who was really engaged and loved wrestling and uh you know wanted the wrestlers to do well for themselves kind of goes back to what we were talking about where I think more than pulling for the industry or the promoters or kind of like the, the corporations, he wanted uh, uh, the guys and the gals to uh, do well for themselves. And, and uh, that was him, you know, I think that, that was really him. And uh, yeah, just super tragic uh, suffice to say, everybody pro wrestling illustrated um, sends their condolences and, and best wishes to him, his family. Uh, everybody who cared about him, which we know that's a, a long, long list from, from what we've seen in uh, social media. Uh, let, let's talk a bit about uh, Revolution. Uh, so so did you have to make a trip to, to catch Revolution in person, uh, Rich?
3: Yes, I did. I'm in California, obviously. So um, it kind of was a, a funny story, funny everything that kind of went on. Of course, I was a part of this AEW, Who We Are, uh, hip hop, Black History Month album. So uh, Will and I from Grab City Podcast, we were expected to be in Florida anyway, just for the show um, of Revolution, but they ended up having a music event to kind of promote the album and promote some of the things Mikey Ruckus. Uh, the music supervisor over there at AEW was having a big show. He had us come and be a part of the show and do a couple of the songs. I got to do the powerhouse hops theme. And I got to do the song that I did for Jade Cargill off the album. So it was a great weekend like that. So yeah, I was going to be there anyway. So Funny enough, being so excited about the music and everything that was going on there, I kept forgetting that at the end of this is going to be an amazing wrestling show. So like (laughs) it ended up being even better just because I'd be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm going to get to see the Young Bucks do this crazy thing and I'm going to get to see CM Punk and I'm going to see Brian Danielson and Jon Moxley. So it just like exceeded all expectations that I had.
0: Where'd you watch it from?
3: I was uh, in the media section press box thing or whatever they call it with a bunch of other media people. And we were all marking out and having a great time. It was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some people calling it the best uh, AEW show yet or certainly, you know, in the top five. Uh, Brian, do you agree? What did you think of AEW Revolution? I just think
2: it's cool if you notice how so many AEW pay-per-views people I know. will say that, yes, right? Exactly. Because it's like, right. oh, wow, this one's the best. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. This one's the best now. Mm-hmm. This one is. And I feel like they do knock it out of the park with these pay-per-views that they or whatever we're going to call them now, right? I mean, they, they well, actually, it is still pay-per-view. <laughs> they are pay-per-views for right, their case, yeah. God, my, my wallet definitely reminded me <laughs> that it was a pay-per-view. You get <laughs> <Right>. spoiled <laughs> by Peacock, right? You're I left, know.
3: Right. WWE won the, the game hell? forever, I swear. Right. Every time it's over nine I'm like, dude, I can't <laughs> I'm,
2: like, I'm like, I could get five months of Peacock for this. Like, what, what is happening? But, you yeah. know, that's until they get to H- HBO Max, right? If that ever yeah, happens. Right. But yeah, I mean, like, they really have it down to a science because I think part of it is they don't do them. We were talking about this last time, uh, Al. They don't do them every month, right? They mm-hmm. feel more special. They save up. They really build the angles. And and it's like, you know, they make every show feel really special and that's why I sometimes get blown away I I try not to I really am a positive person I don't like <laughs> to get dragged down in like you go on Twitter and it's like everything's awful like no matter how great it was it's always awful but for me you know look I've been watching wrestling 35 years I'm like immersed in wrestling history like I'm insufferable about all this stuff but and I'm telling you though when people will say to me when when people will walk away from a show like that and say that it was it was really bad I have to think, like, if you think that wasn't a good show, like, what is a good show? Because if you mm. went back in time 30 years ago, like, there would be nothing that you would that you are you going to tell me, all right, so that was a bad show. But what, like, Wrestlemania 4 was right. better than that? No, it wasn't. <laughs> no I'm way, telling yeah. you, because I watched it. It wasn't. So, <laughs> so like, you know, half the Saturday night's main events. you oh, all the Clash of the Champions, like, you know what I mean? It's like, like I think the some,
3: first five or six Royal Rumbles are awful shows.
2: And yeah. I, but, but you know what? I'm not even saying they're awful, but I, I'm just saying, like, you know, people have these very unrealistic expectations now. They expect right. every show to, like, change their life or something like mm-hmm. I just want to watch a really great wrestling show. And I think they get these real rose colored glasses about the past. And 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 they'll say, like every single show they saw in like the 80s and 90s was like phenomenal. And and everything now, you know, stinks. And I think you you, you really lose perspective when, when you take that attitude. And it's like, you know, I would be as a as a 12 year old kid, like at the level of some of these shows w- would, would have blown me away if I could have Definitely. seen it back then. You know, yeah. that's that that's a fact.
0: Yeah, I, my takeaway whenever AEW puts on one of these shows that that is, you know, critically acclaimed, everybody enjoys, is that it's uh And I don't I don't mean this in in terms of wrestling is easy, but putting on from from a promoter standpoint, putting on a good wrestling show when you've got the talents shouldn't be that hard. Right. I mean, and 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 when um, I won't even name names, when certain promotions put on a bad show. It seems like it's so much more effort to put on the bad show. I agree. Because you, know, you got to bring in zombie lumberjacks outside the ring or, you know, we, we take we, some work. Yeah. We need to gimmick up a way to pop an eye out of Rey Mysterio's head mm. or whatever. It's like it, it's so much effort to put on the bad show where an AW, um, you know, it just seems like they, they come up with some storylines. They're solid storylines the wrestlers as professionals, advanced storylines in the promos, and what have you, then they go in the ring and they, hit oh, it out of the park. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, and I, I, know it's more complicated than that, but I really do believe that it with, with uh, a, a, a talented roster, which, you know, most companies have these days, I've mean, or, or you wouldn't have a roster. I mean, they, they, everybody's a, a talented in their own way, but right. um, if, if you assemble the right roster, The rest really should take care of itself. Right, Reg?
3: That's how I feel. It's kind of like when uh, Keith Lee debuted in AEW. I was like, look at how easy this is. You don't just send him out there and let him throw people. That's all we want to do. When you start adding all these complicated elements and all this extra hoopla stuff, people are not going to care. This thing is really easy. All we want to see is two people in the ring fighting each other and being passionate about it. It's not that hard at all. It shouldn't be from years and years and years and years of being let down it seems like it's super hard to do but it's not really even for wwe with the you know for a long time there was a lot of criticism but like when nxt would have a takeover it'd be a phenomenal show from top to bottom amazing wrestling like if you have amazing wrestlers and you let them go wrestle they'll do it but you know AEW, it's funny because like they. It seems like they're doing just simple things, but it's extra because of what we're used to. <laughs> so yeah, it's like right this is just a simple angles two wrestlers <laughs> talking, having a promo, and then they have a match. But it's like now we're like, well, what else is going to happen? We need all this other crazy stuff. But it's like, no, you don't need that. Just do that, and we're gonna love it.
2: Yeah. Because you're you're always thinking, how is this gonna be ruined? Like, exactly. That, right. that's the, yes. <laughs> that, and exactly. and it doesn't happen because the, mm. they have this very simple formula, which is like give people what they want you know mm-hmm. like don't have this weird passive aggressive contempt for the people watching the show like we can't right. really give you what you want we have to screw you like like last such-
3: night i was just expecting my <laughs> my wwe self expected them to make thunder rosa lose because it's in her play. It- oh everybody's is right. in her hometown she's <laughs> she's losing there's no way she's yeah, going like go over
2: poor barbecue sauce love her head or something exactly. like that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing. It's like we're we're used to a certain way, uh, and people, I think, especially if you're even younger and you don't remember, let's say, before the last like twenty years, you, you're used to a certain way, and and that's all that you you think that it is that it is, and it's you know what? It's not that complicated. It's really not. You were saying it's more complicated than that. It's not much more complicated. Look, mm-hmm. these these old school promoters and things like. Some of them, you know, we're not we're not talking about Albert Einstein. All right. Right, right. These were not the, 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 the sharpest knives always in the drawer. These guys, God bless them. But they knew how to put together these angles and shows and matches. And it wasn't that complicated. And sometimes just because something is we've said this before, like the obvious place where something is going. It doesn't mean that it can't go there sometimes like the (laughs) catharsis of that, of like, we really want this thing to happen and it's going to happen. Like that's the best thing in the world to give people, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the problem comes when, when you try to be something that you're not and for, for, um, and again, I, I'm mindful of dumping on WWE uh, too much because <laughs> I'm a fan of WWE, uh, yes. uh absolutely, and and I like a lot of what they do. But but when they trip over themselves, it's when they try to get too far removed from what they are. And right. there's you know the 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 whole uh, uh, it's well established that Vince McMahon doesn't like using the W word, um, and and likens itself more to uh, whatever episodic television. Um, and and that's why they've got the, the thirty five riders in the room or what have you, and uh, it just kind of gets in the way uh, of of itself. And uh, when you see kind of like the the strip down, and it's not just AEW. I mean, I was watching uh, a little NWA uh, the other day, at I hadn't seen in a while, and, and watched uh, Cardona win the the, the title from uh, Murdoch, and just the the crowd go just nuts, so angry. And it's like this is great, you know, and right. and, and it, it's so simple and uh effective. And GCW,
3: I watch their shows all the time and they do right. little angles all the time that just work just because it's simple things, just go for it.
0: And then what you know, when I think about like what I've been watching in WWE in the last few weeks, this you know, absurd notion that if Kevin Owens and uh, Seth Rollins, two of the biggest stars in in WWE, if they don't win the tag team championship, they don't have a path to WrestleMania. It's like what? <laughs> what? Why? Why wouldn't Seth Rollins be on WrestleMania? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, why yeah, wouldn't you not. have? And Seth it's sort Rollins of harder to it. come up with with such a a concocted dumb idea than than just to set up Seth with an opponent, mm. <laughs> right? You know, which we'll is we'll get to that in, in a moment. A, a couple of things about uh, AEW real quick. Uh, you know talking about the Monday night wars. One thing that is so similar to back then is this, especially with, with a W this feeling of who's going to show up this week. Right. And, and this isn't always, you know, good. And, and, and uh, you know, the interview I've got with, with powerhouse Hobbs, I think we might uh, address that this notion of like, man, is it getting crowded in here? Uh, so just since we last talked, Jeff Hardy's on board. Now we, we saw him uh, debut. Um, who else? Shane Strickland's there. Am I forgetting anybody? I mean, uh, uh it's Reg, do you have any concerns about uh again, maybe when when you look at that revolution card, you know, William Regal's another one, mm-hmm. you know. Um, when, when you look at that revolution card, there there's so much X wwe there, for better or for worse, that's what it is. Right. Uh, there, there's so much ex-WWE talent there. And I think about the powerhouse Hobbs and the Ricky Starks of the world and, and some others, and I do worry. Or, or, or wonder, like, well, or, or are these guys going to be used to their, their maximum potential uh, when, man, there's just so many people uh, above them, you know, that it, it could be hard to kind of find your spot in there.
3: Right. I don't necessarily think so. Take a guy like Scorpio Sky, for example. He just won the TNT championship. They paid off something that was, that was set forth for a long time. And I think the thing that kind of gives me hope is the guys that would be in those positions, say like a guy like CM Punk or Brian Danielson. they're not going to want to take away someone's spot that I think deserves it. You know what I mean? Like, I think if, the, if Tony Khan's like, Hey, we're going to put you in this position over this person, I think they wouldn't agree with that. I'm saying that. I don't know if that's true. Pro wrestlers are pro wrestlers. It could be how it is, but yeah, I don't think, I think with how they handle uh, people taking time off, like Kenny Omega is off right now. Um, how they structure the shows. I think it all can work out in the end. I think everybody could be in a great position. People who are destined to be world champion are going to be world champion. I don't think it's going to be all just ex-WWE guys. So I'm not not super worried about them having a lot of talent. If anything, I'm excited because I get to see a million amazing wrestling. Every match is going to be with a top talent. So it's nothing for me to be upset about.
0: Uh, Brian, let me ask you specifically about uh, Jeff Hardy. You know, it, it's kind of unique one, you know, by and large, I think, it, you know, we both agree that most of the people that, um, it, AW's brought in from WWE have fit in well with, with the formula that they're going for. Maybe with some exceptions, you look at a guy like Paul White or, or, or Mark Henry, who I'm, I'm not exactly sure what, what they're doing there, but Jeff Hardy, um, is an interesting one. He's older. He, um, at, at one point might've been the biggest star uh, in wrestling. I remember that 2009 era, and this was like prime John Cena era when he was super hot. Uh, Jeff Hardy might've been bigger for a while there. I mean, because everybody loved Jeff Hardy, not just the, the kids and the girls. Uh, he, he was so huge. Uh, so on, on on one hand, it's like, you've got a real, a, a potentially in a, a top tier A-list star, But again, older, it looks like they're doing, at least for now, kind of the nostalgia thing with with teaming up with his brother. Um, What do you think kind of the the, the ceiling is for Jeff Hardy in AEW? I
2: think in his particular case, I think, um, and again, I mean, I'm not I, I don't think this is a bad thing. I think his role there should be, you know, that the Hardy boys get a big run in AEW as a tag team. And and they get to they get to you know mess with all the great tag teams there. They have the best tag team division in wrestling right now. They do their thing. Maybe they get a run with the title, and then I and then I think that's it. Like like yeah. I don't really think we're looking at. I don't think we should be looking at like a big main event run for him. Like I right. I, I just think that ship has sailed, and you know he's there to reach for that Matt Jeff reunion. And, and we let that run its course and let them do their thing. But, you know, it's not a long term thing in my in my view. I think it's just to give him to give them a last like big run or at least another big run. I hate saying last in wrestling. Who, who the heck knows? But another like <laughs> re- really big run, you know, maybe their last high profile run. That's the main goal. I, I would I would hope the issue
3: yeah. I was saying I was telling someone yesterday, though, with in Jeff Hardy's case is he is just so over. Yeah. When anywhere he goes, people love him. And it might be like he sometimes just forces hands because he's so over that they're like, maybe we do have to make this guy a main event just because every venue we go to people love Jeff Hardy. This guy, I don't know what it is. And it's been happening for 20 years, 22 years, 23 years now. People just love this guy wherever he goes. And he might force their hammer. They're like, well, we have to put him in the main event scene just because he's so over.
0: Yeah, I mean uh talk about bad WWE shows, uh, Survivor Series uh in uh, Brooklyn uh last year, uh which was really just kind of an awful show. And uh sure. one of those those endless tag team elimination matches Ugh. early on in the show, I think came down to Hardy and Randy Orton, I think. Uh yeah, because I think Orton
2: won. Um, and that's when uh that that was the match that had the famous Randy sleeping chant. I'll never <laughs> forget it? that one. Yes, yes, but <laughs> the the
0: fans were so crazy for Jeff Hardy. I mean, it was like eye opening, and he wasn't getting any kind of push at all on TV in, in right. the weeks leading up to that. But I, I think there was just a recognition of this guy is a real star. You know, not you're not kind of a propped up star. This guy has genuine star power, and so while I agree that, well, I think I would have the same reservations as you, Brian, of, of pushing him all the way. But I'm also kind of curious because. Um we, we haven't seen him get that uh, kind of all-in push, a singles push, uh, in, in a major company in, in a long time. You know, WWE has always kind of, for the last several years, had one foot in the door, or one foot out in terms of pushing uh, Jeff. And he's been mixed up in kind of these mid-card feuds throwing a cup of urine on, on, uh <laughs> on Seamus. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Oh
3: no. Why did you bring you know, this, that uh, one
0: back out? Bad <laughs> angles and uh, TNA before then and all the problems that TNA had, but here you've got ostensibly a, 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 a Jeff Hardy with his head on his shoulders. And, you know, ironically a lot of parallels here with, with, with Scott Hall in terms of yes. a guy right. who I think fans see as real and I think there's kind of some of that 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 those flaws and that vulnerability is what have attracts fans to him. Definitely. But also that cool factor. Um and also, you know, frankly, some 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 demons, some issues. Uh but because it's been so long since somebody, you know, a promoter really went all in with Jeff Hardy, I'd be curious, you know, could you get a pay-per-view main event uh out of him challenging Hangman Page or, or somebody for the world title, you know, and, and what would that look like? So I don't know. I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but, but you know, food for thought. Um, let's let's switch over to W a uh, real quick. Uh, uh Brian, last time we talked, we the WrestleMania card was uh starting to take shape. Now it, it's taken more shape. We, we some of these these questions have been answered. It's not gonna be even Slickman um and Pat McAfee. Uh, it, it, as you talked about, it, it's going to be Austin Theory. I guess McMahon potentially is kind of a second, even though until now, I don't think they've, they've even much brought him up. Uh, it looks like pretty much an Austin Theory, Pat McAfee match. Uh, it looks like it is not really going to be a Steve Austin, Kevin Owens match. They're they're doing something. And I guess they're kind of teasing it being more than just kind of like a, an interview segment with a stunner, but, but also not quite a match. So, um, and then the other thing that is yet to sort of be realized is is what if anything, Cody Rhodes is going to be doing there. I guess the 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 rumors are reporting is that he's gonna end up working with Seth Rollins, but but that certainly hasn't been um worked out yet on TV. So, you know, from a couple of weeks ago when we were talking where it was like, wow, look at these huge attractions, one after the other after the other. Now all of them are like, well, that's not quite what we we're hoping for. And this one's not quite what you're we hoping for. So uh how much of a difference do those changes make? And and does this still Feel like a a WrestleMania lineup.
2: Well, I think the the Vince thing was a mistake from the beginning, and and right. I know I know you didn't agree with me on that when we were talking about it, but I just think what happened there is they just came to their senses, honestly, yeah. and mm-hmm. and somebody said because I'm I know like Vince's thing for the longest time always was. Like I'm and he would say this. I'm too old to be on this show. And that's why you didn't see him anymore. And that's why he kept pushing his damn kids out there all the time, because he was like, nobody wants to see my old face on this show. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it surprised me so much that it was even talked about that this would happen. And I get the feeling that that instinct is probably what won out in the end where, you know, he woke up one morning. Uh, you know, or or at midnight, whenever he wakes up, you know, out of his coffin, and he looked, he looked in the mirror, and he just said, "I can't do this. This is ridiculous. We can't do this." And so I think that's what happened. So I, I don't mind that. I think I think if anything, that helps. The, the Austin The Austin and Owens thing, though, I feel like that. I sure. I mean, I would have loved to see a, a, a real match with Austin um, somewhere on that card, but I think. It probably, judging by what the way it's playing out, it probably is Austin saying, you know, I, I just don't think I can deliver something that's worthwhile. A- and and maybe even health fears. I know he was always so terrified of re-injuring his neck and, and the effect that it could have. And, and that's why he was so dead set on never wrestling again. So I have a feeling probably the hesitation is on his part. Uh, and I mean, o- otherwise, I mean, I, I think Kevin Owens probably would have been a pretty solid opponent for him, but he just obviously doesn't feel up to it. I don't know what they do at this point. I mean, I still think it's shaping up to be a decent card, uh, especially since you've got the Cody Rhodes thing as a wild card thing going on. So, I mean, I, st- I still think that, that it's got a lot of juice as a WrestleMania card in, in my view so far. I,
0: I think Austin's kind of wanting to have his cake and eat it too. I, th- I think he, right. He, he looks at it as uh uh as sacred his retirement match back in WrestleMania 19, even though at the time nobody knew it was his retirement. So I think part of him doesn't want to go back on that. And and uh, also, you know, just in terms of your legacy, what what's a bigger match to go out on, you know, losing to The Rock at WrestleMania, the biggest star in, in the business, or 58-year-old, you know, maybe can't go like he used to with Kevin Owens in a mid-card match. Uh, At WrestleMania. But on on the flip side, I think he he wants some physicality. I think he wants more than just to to uh, give somebody a stunner. I expect, you know, if if you saw that promo, if you want to call it, that he does like in the side of a road, whatever at his ranch. He says, you know, call it what you want, uh, a a match, a fight. I think he's making it clear that that, you know, they're going to get into it. It's going to get physical. He's going to do some selling You know, and and I, you know, I I expect Owens to get something in on on Austin, and I think Austin's offense is going to be more than a stunner, but I think he wants, I think he wants to be able to have a match without calling it a match, essentially, you know, Um, uh, Reg, uh, uh, let's talk a little bit more about, about Cody, you know. We're, we're down to the wire here. What are we, two weeks from WrestleMania? Yeah. We it's haven't even close. seen him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I was watching. Uh, I wasn't able to go, so I was uh, watching just like a, a, a Twitter cams of the MSG show from a couple of weeks ago um, where there was some speculation that Cody was going to show up there. I never seriously thought that. But, you know, then the next Raw and the next SmackDown and the Raw after that, and, and we haven't even heard uh, a peep. Do you think this is happening?
3: Uh, I want to say yes, because it's that would be really dumb if he left AEW to not or to try to go back or whatever, but it's getting really close. WrestleMania is legit like two weeks out, like it's happening. They should be building. They should be talking about this match every day if it is going to happen. I mean, I guess they really need all the bumps that they could get at this point because... They need any kind of angle, any kind of star power. So they could do it a week out, you know, two weeks out or something to, to kind of build some more anticipation. But at this point, I don't know. It's close. It's so close. I don't know if they would take the chance to, to wait this long, but then also there's still Seth Rollins who has nothing. What are they also going to do with him? If Cody's not there, like you got to get on that too. There's so many questions to be answered, but I want to say, yes, that by the end of, you know, in the next two months, Cody Rhodes will be in WWE.
0: I, I think I can really see this. And I, and I don't know that's the worst idea in the world. I, I think it might work out for the better. Um, you know, you don't do it until WrestleMania, right? I mean, right. you've got Rollins in the ring, um, I don't know, complaining, calling out everybody, whatever the situation is, where, where you set it up that, that Rollins is in the ring. And then you hit that music and Cody comes out and you get the WrestleMania moment, the WrestleMania pop. Yeah. That might be more effective than having Cody come out on raw uh, a week or two before and set up what what, you know, essentially is going to be a mid card match, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's not, he's not headlining WrestleMania, uh, you know, the, and, and then come WrestleMania, the pop isn't what it might have been. If um, fans were seeing Cody for the for Texas fans, right? I mean, and, and Dusty's connection his family's connection with Texas. I think that might be the way to go and maybe it's not a match maybe it's it's an angle it's a segment um and it sets up for for the Rollins uh Cody match at at the next pay-per-view. Uh but
3: yeah, I don't think it's Or you the, could the, do the well, next night. They have two two days now. You could set right? it up on the first night for the next night. There could yeah, that could work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that might be the way to go and 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 maybe even a better use of cuz cuz you know, yeah, frankly having Cody show up on Raw in front of whatever 4000 fans and and uh then come back at WrestleMania, uh maybe that's not the best way to
3: do it. I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm planning on going. That that's uh, uh what uh, an update there. So I, I think uh yeah, for another year I'm going to drag the family out. Uh <laughs> and uh yeah, I think we'll be there for both nights and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't know what the uh... crowd's going to look like, but but uh
3: What's the right. Texas draw besides Austin? Is my thing. Like, is Austin supposed to be the whole Undertaker at show? uh oh, Undertaker, yeah. Undertaker
0: at the Hall of Fame. And I guess, I'm guessing he's there at one of the nights, right? When they introduce right. everybody, that'll be a moment. Um, I even wonder for what whether it's the Owen segment or it's it's Rollins. Um, you know, is there is there an opportunity for somebody to take a choke slam for the Undertaker, right? Mm-hmm. You can do that. Sean Michaels, you got to think, you know, you, you Tech, another yeah. Texas guy, right? Somebody's gonna take some sweet chin music. So, I think there's a lot of potential for a uh, great stuff. Maybe right. even um, something with with Michaels and Undertaker, you know, given their their history at WrestleMania in Texas.
3: Right. The uh, that thing that be- um, with the Austin thing, the thing, the one thing that's kind of in the back of my mind is. If he has a great match in the Saudi, people are just like, oh, yeah. there's money, Stone Cold. We need you over here. That was a great showing over here. Here's all the money you want.
2: Well, that's yeah. how you get that's how you get Stone Cold versus Goldberg. That's that's <laughs> really, yeah, we talked that's about how that, that yeah. happens. Yeah, for sure. I,
0: I think, uh, you know, this could be a huge money year for Austin right. if he plays his cards right. Right. And then uh, you've got a year to kill between, you know, um, now and. I imagine the plan is still Roman Reigns and The Rock at WrestleMania next year. Um, that's a hell of a marquee match in between somewhere, right? I mean, Austin Reigns, if if you could do it, if Austin's up for it, and uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe this is a apropos since we're talking about Cody Rhodes, you could use lots of smoke and mirrors, right, to, for <laughs> for Austin, uh, and 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 that's just it. I mean, and Austin is a brawler, right? So right kicking hit people with beer cans hit people with whatever chairs and and just you know throwing punches and just limit the bumps that he's got to take and and the kind of bumps that he's got to take um you know he, he could he could get choked out by uh, roman reigns as well as the next guy i would think you know so anyhow fun time to be a fan uh guys thank you so much for uh, uh chatting here uh, uh, Reg, you got anything uh, to promote your social media or anything else?
3: Yeah, at Righteous Reg, and every Saturday it's Grapsity Podcast. Please listen. I got a new album out on righteousreg.bandcamp.com, and I got a new PWI out. Go get that in stores right now. Buy it, show us on the internet. We love it when you guys do that.
0: Absolutely. How about you, Brian? Uh, uh what's well, you, like, you're saying you're recording an audio book now, so, <laughs> so we're going to get that version of it also.
2: That's right. So, the, the print book and the digital version of the book, um, is April 12th, and it's the biography of the Sheik called Blood and Fire, the unbelievable real-life story of wrestling's original Sheik. And it's less than a month away. People can pre-order it, of course, on Amazon. Um, It's been doing really well there. And there is going to be an audiobook, although since I'm recording it now, I'm pretty sure it's probably not going to be out for, you know, until the summer. So it'll probably be a later release so people can get that. And my own podcast, of course, Shut Up and Wrestle, which is suawpod.com or everywhere else you get podcasts, Spotify and Google and Apple and Podbean and all that stuff. You can find it there. It's a great old school wrestling podcast. And I'm going to have have to have both of you guys on at certain points as guests i can't do you both at the same time because i'm cheap and i don't have the premium <laughs> version of zoom so it's yeah, got to be nicely. one at a time and that's it yeah yeah you
3: gotta get I somebody's th- login brian come on <laughs> yeah maybe that
0: maybe that. yeah yeah like we do in netflix um i, I saw you had uh, dr tom on right
2: yeah yeah dr tom is this week's guest and uh or, or the last one uh, depending on when you're listening to this, and and he's always really cool. He's like a treasure trove of information. We've had the Blue Meanie on there, and actually, I just talked about this, but I got Rob Van Dam, and I'm sitting mm. on it because right. I'm I'm saving it for the week that the book comes out because Rob Van Dam wrote the forward for the book, so awesome. he, he was kind enough to do that. So that's gonna be be the big one. That's 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 coming out in April 13th. That one.
0: I thought you were going to save it for April 20th,
2: 420.
0: Mm. <laughs> I, I gave it serious
2: thought. I think April thought.
3: 13th was the barely legal date, I think, wasn't it? April 13th, right? 1997, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a big yeah.
2: deal.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah, you might be right.
0: All right, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, right now, let's listen to one of the stars of uh, AEW, Powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, when you look at the different members, and, and you know, in some ways, you guys couldn't be more different. Uh, but what do you see as that kind of common link uh, that runs through uh, all all the members uh, of Team Taz, including Taz?
1: Um, I think the, the thing that we have in common is that we've been maybe underlooked for, you know, just, you know, from like our, our indie or for for me and Ricky like our indie careers and and we're here and just I don't know this is like the whenever we're all together we want to grasp grasp everything like the the conversations we have like via text or we're sitting in catering like we we want to be at the top so I just you know whether it's in singles or as a as a cohesive unit like we all have like the the same goals in mind.
0: Does any of that come from Taz?
1: Um, I think not. Not not the goal specifically. Just how do we get there? Um, Ricky and I like we we are huge Taz fans, um, and so just learning from him, like just speaking on a speaking about us both, it's it's great because he he has some great insights, like you know how to how to just grasp, grasp everything. And, you know, how to, how to be that killer, how to, what it takes to go to the top. So Taz is, was a great mentor.
0: That that underdog kind of thing that you're describing certainly was part of Taz's career, right? I mean, a guy who most places he went was a good deal shorter than everyone yet had a kind of legitimacy and credibility that guys twice his size didn't have. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you look at Taz and Taz is a legit badass. Like, you know, I, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I ain't met a lot of people that could whoop my ass, and and I know Ricky is Ricky's a a fireball himself. So all Taz, you know, he teaches us how to how to keep it under control and when to let it loose and just the, the stuff that he went through in his career, you know, he kind of he looks out for us to make sure that you know that doesn't happen. But if it does happen, this is how you handle it.
0: Yeah. You you talked about uh maybe being overlooked and and um uh, not giving credit to you, Ricky, for what you guys did before coming to AEW. Uh th- does that, you know, become even more of a problem when you have this influx of new talent in the AEW that do have these these established uh, uh, names among the mainstream people like, you know, Brian Danielson and CM Punk and Adam Cole and on and on and on. Um, you know, that, that's one thing that, that there's sometimes some buzz about AEW, some of kind of the homegrown guys potentially being uh, overlooked, lost in the shuffle. Is that something that concerns you?
1: No, it's not. Um, not one bit because there's the guys that have, that, that you've mentioned that, came in they, they've they helped me tremendously I mean you look at my match with, with Punk um I talked to Danielson all the times I remember watching him um in the Bay Area at APW growing up um I'm, I'm not concerned about it because I know my abilities I know what I can do I know what I can bring to the table and I'm different from any anyone that's here that's a homegrown talent and anyone that they brought in I'm, I'm different
0: yeah. How so? What do you what do you see that you have that nobody else has in, in the AW roster?
1: I think it's it's my personality, like my my extension. Like what you see in the ring is is Will Hobbs. Like there's I don't put on an act. I don't need to put on a show. Um, I think I'm growing at a, at a fast pace. Uh, you know, there's still things I, I need to learn and work on. Obviously, but. Just, just my presence in general. I don't think there's anything like it. Do,
0: do you see it as a a help or a hindrance that you're a big dude? You know, on on one hand, once upon a time, right, that that'd be uh, a huge leg up having some size. Yet, kind of the AEW model, which is you know more athletic and and uh, smaller than than maybe a lot of the superstars people are used to. Maybe that works against you. So, how do you see your size factoring into? Uh, what you could achieve?
1: I, I don't. I mean, I don't think my size works against me because I'm not a big dude that likes to do a, a lot of high flying. I mean, if I want to, I can. But I think what separates me is I, I ground and pound. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm I'm methodical. I work at at my pace. And you look at wrestling from the past. That's what wrestling was. You know, that's what made people believe when they looked at certain guys. Like, oh shit, this dude's a badass. You know, that's how I perceive myself. Um, if I want to do all that stuff, I, I could, um, but I just think, like I said, my style is is different from anyone else on this roster, and it it brings something different.
0: Yeah, a little bit of a of a throwback. Does it does it make it a um, challenging at all to match your style? with uh people who are uh maybe smaller faster uh uh that kind of thing or or do you find that you're able to work with anyone?
1: No, I think I can work with anyone um uh, I mean, look you look at when I work dante martin that's one of the fastest dudes right. on the roster you know and I, I can keep up with them, so I don't think think it brings any issue,
3: yeah.
0: You, you mentioned Punk and uh, what a a coup, right? for For a guy who's been out of the business for, uh, whatever it was, close to eight years, and mm-hmm. he comes back. He's instantly one of the the biggest stars, if not the biggest star in wrestling. And you're
1: one of his. He was he was, uh, he was still program. a big star when it, when he he was still a big star when he left. <laughs> so right, uh, sure, yeah, but, you know. So I don't think like his his stardom or whatever had been didn't go anywhere. Maybe
0: maybe it got he, bigger. It, it
1: yeah. Shot up, yeah, it shot it shot up even more the way I look at it. But that when, being when like you my get first, word, yeah, I mean when you when
0: you get word yeah, that, I'm sorry. That, I was just gonna say when you get word that, that you're gonna be one of his first programs, uh what what kind of boost does that
1: give you? Because me it gave I, I got chills. Like I, I thought Tony was was bullshitting me a little bit, you know, and and, and he looked at me. I think he saw the, my facial expression. And he's like, "No, I'm serious." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, it's on." And just like punk know, punk knows how I like how I felt about that match, how I feel about him. You know, what it, what that whole night meant to me. Um, it was about a month after my mother passed away, so he knew what all that meant to me and I'm forever grateful for to him for it and just it's like I remember just going to shows watching him watching him on tv and the fact that I get to actually be in the ring with him and kind of take this opportunity and see it's like okay well I I looked at it as like okay our one of our key players is injured you got to step in and fill in you know, the quarterback, which is Tony, hikes the ball and hands me the ball, you know, hands off to me. Well, I'm going to get a two yard gain or I'm going to get a 10, 15 yard or go straight to the end zone. And that, that's the way I looked at it. And, and me personally, I, I think I went straight to the end zone working with him. I think I got a whole new res- respect from my peers, and, you know, from the fans as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, d- it definitely. helped put you on, on the radar. Uh, let, let me ask you about some of your uh team Taz teammates um, hook. Right. I mean, the guy comes onto the scene and like few other people in the last few years makes an impact. Right. I mean, right away, he's talked about as kind mm-hmm. of this breakout star having this kind of quiet charisma that is hard to find. Um, what, what do you make of it? Are, are, are you surprised to see fans have that connection or um, did you predict that something like that could happen?
1: I mean, we all knew like it's nothing new to us. We all knew Hook was gonna take off. Like you you can just look uh, from like the over the past year, you know, when he was coming ringside with me, when he would be ringside with Ricky, when all you know, four of us, you know, would come out. You could you could see he was different. You could see that he was gonna, you know, be something and he, he is gonna be something big in this business. You could you could just take a look at him. So to Team Taz is no surprise.
0: Yeah, what what do you make of um, Taz's guidance of Hook? And that's always kind of a tricky thing to navigate, right? Um, do, do you think he and any is he guiding him the right way? Is there any concern about being overprotective or overly cautious about him?
1: No, I mean, I mean, that's his son, so you know, naturally, any father's going to protect their son. Mm-hmm. But Taz is. Does the same with Ricky and myself, and he lets all three of us know when we're wrong. Like he'll let us know. He has no yeah. problem with that, and you know, I just, I don't think Taz is gonna overprotect them. Like I just, Taz is gonna let Hook go off on his own path and find his own way. Mm-hmm. You know, H-
0: how about Ricky, uh, a guy who who uh, I feel like just in the last few months really starting to make uh, some waves and had a good amount of buzz even before coming to AEW from his work in, in NWA. What, what do you see as what he brings uh, to the table that's unique to him and, and what his, how far he can go?
1: Ricky brings that, Ricky brings this type of fire that which is like, when he speaks, it gets you fired up. Like you wanna just like, all right, well, let's do it. I'll ride with you, let's go. And you know, um, he's very intelligent. Um, He's one of those guys like with me like we'll just sit and just talk about the business, talk about what we can do, um, and he just, he, I know he he <laughs> he gets this all the time, and he may hate it, but I, I still little little rock in him, you know. Mm-hmm. At times he's got a he's he's got a tongue going on him. The boy can talk, like you know. That, it's interesting you
0: say he hates it. I mean, the, the, is he, is he mindful? And I'll ask him about it. Is he mindful of coming off as an imitation?
1: No, no. He, he's not, he's definitely not imitating him or imitation. That's, that's just Ricky,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, yeah. that, that, that's, that's him. And, you know, I, 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 I know him very well. And what, what you see is, is on TV is what you see is seeing in person. Yeah. So that, that's him.
0: When he had his injury some months back, and it and it looked really touch and go and kind of scary for a while, how did the rest yeah. of the team uh, take that? I mean, was was there a fear of man? Do is this maybe the end for him?
1: Um, I, I I me personally, just because that that's my friend, I was, you know, fearful for him, but you know, it it motivated me a whole lot. You know, just I I took it as like just the conversations we had daily. Uh, I don't want to get too much into, but then I, I did it for the both of us. Like I had some big matches in between the time he was hurt and I, I did it for, for me and him. So oh. it's, it was definitely motivating. Uh, you know, I, I knew he would, he needed his time to recover and he was going to come back and he did. So I just, I looked at all that as motivation Yeah, so, and, and he, and he definitely reminded me of that. A few times,
0: yeah. Uh, I think Ricky's probably going to jump on soon. So, so a uh, one last uh, thing for you, uh, for for better or for worse, you've been the posi- put in the position a lot over your time in AEW uh, to address the issues of race in in AEW, and that's one place where uh, there's been some criticism over the years that you don't see enough people of color, uh, certainly in in the top mix and throughout the company. And you've been vocal about uh, uh, saying how you do think A.W. is doing its best and has the right intentions. Can you give kind of a, a state of the union on how things are now? We're, we're here in Black History Month. They just signed uh, Keith Lee. Um, so it, it's kind of uh, a topic now. Can you talk about again what where, where you think things are right now in
1: A.W.? I, I think things are great. And like the two statements I, I put out before, I stand behind both of those 100 percent. And I would do it all over again um change it change doesn't happen overnight that's that's not how the world world works and you know i only can speak from my experience that i've personally had here my time in aew i think things are great the the company is diverse you look at scorpio sky being the first uh african-american to hold the tag team titles in the first one, the first person to ever hold those. You look at the Lucha bros, you know, you look at Sammy is Latin as the TNT champion, you know, the things people are going to find things to complain about. And like I said, from my experience, I I think everything is is great and everything in due time will, you know, play out. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When, when you see Keith Lee, uh, another big kind of super, a heavyweight African American. Is that? uh Are you excited about his prospects in AEW and maybe the potential of working with him?
1: I'm I'm excited about working with him. You know, we we got the ladder match on Sunday, so it's the first time him and I are gonna lock horns if we we get the chance. You know, and I'm excited. You know what he can bring to the table. So yeah, you know, Where, are s-
0: you? yeah. Or, are you, are you? Every- I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, I mean, when I think about that match, uh, I think about, uh, again, super heavyweight clash, right? And, and you talked about, we talked about how your style in some ways is so different than what you see in AEW, a, a big mm-hmm. dude, kind of a throwback, hitting hard, everything with big impact. That's Keith Lee in a lot of ways too. So yeah. uh, are, are you sort of excited over the, the, the potential of, um, Displaying that kind of wrestling that maybe you don't see that much in, in AEW. Yeah, i
1: I am. You, you with if me and him get a hold get a hold of each other, is it's not going to be anything technical. Yeah, it's going to be one of the, it's going to be one of those fights where you see everybody running out the club, circling around, <laughs> seeing two dudes beat the beat the hell out of each other. That that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be a classic technical match called by by Jr. Tony Schiavone and Excalibur and you know, it's not going to be that. It's going to be okay. We we square it up. Let's see who has the the toughest chin. Yeah. So I mean, oh, you know, when in due time, if the everything aligns up in the universe and it's Keith Lee and, and powerhouse Hobbs, it's just Tony better better reinforce the ring. That's all <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's a match for sure. I'd like to see.
0: All right, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking. The appreciate time you.
1: On.